Hello, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of Our Voices, Our Community. Each week, we focus on issues that are important to you and our community. We discuss an array of issues in Roanoke and the New River Valley, from social to political to economics, but also arts and culture and much more. Our goal is to merge local with state and national issues that affect our lives in Southwest Virginia. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the proposed gun control bills that are currently on the floor in our state legislature. Um, Also, we'll be talking about the existing candidates running for our Democratic presidential nomination. And lastly, the upcoming Donald Trump impeachment trial starting today. So let's get started. I'm Robert Jeffrey. I will be your host. And with me today are Will Solari. Hey, how are you? you? my friend? Good. Good, good, good. Always a pleasure seeing you. Likewise. And Catherine Stromberg. Hello. Who just made it back. You survived our I trip. did not. I, what, I was not. What, I made it back? Yeah. I was in Blacksburg. I was not. Oh, you didn't go? Near. You didn't no. go? No. Oh, no. okay. Oh, okay. I thought you were, went down to um, our nation's capital. I was not an RVA. Oh, okay. Oh. All right. Well, that's okay. And good then, for you. And then um, we have our guest who is um, always joining us today, Peter Vollison. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing, Robert? I'm doing great, Peter. Peter, thank you for joining us today. It's my pleasure. All right, well, let's get started. So, uh, again, yesterday was, uh, I guess, gun rally day at the the Capitol. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Catherine, you seem so excited. <laughs> what was it? Twenty-two thousand people showed up. Something like that. Yeah. Twenty-one, twenty-two. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, yeah. wow. Twenty-two thousand people. Yeah, mostly from New York, is what I heard. <laughs> oh, wow. Were there a lot of buses? <laughs> with other the, states. The guy with the most with the most frequent pictures was uh, FFL from New York. So I'm not sure what his that we was the one with the giant like 50 caliber gun. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I did see that um, our good buddy from Austin, Alex Jones, was there. Oh, yeah. see, that's what I mean. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of out of staters looking so. looking uh, significantly beefier in a very unnatural way than usual. Ooh, <laughs> I hate when they get on the roids. So. Uh, well, they're in they are in session, and so we had the gun rally yes. um, yesterday uh, Monday, and from the two A Amendment people. On, on Martin Luther King's day, I'm not going to go. We, gonna, we discussed. I, we already discussed this, so I'm not going to yes. go on a tangent. Thank you. Thank you for catching me. We Catherine. have covered it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it was a peaceful gathering. Wow. Well, well technically, People, well, I, no, no one did die. <laughs> no one died. No one died. <laughs> the lowest bar for peace <laughs> ever. <laughs> Congratulations, 2A boys. You got together and nobody died. We're so proud of you. (laughs) Charlottesville was a real bad look. Yeah. Yeah, And I think think a lot of people learned a very unfortunate lesson about the kind of circles you keep if you want people to take you seriously and if Mm. you don't want people to think that you're lunatic. Look. Or, I don't know, white nationalist. They're... I think that what happened beforehand with the FBI actually giving, you know, a little bit of care to mm-hmm. this and realizing because of what happened, because nobody, nobody in law enforcement, I won't even say that law enforcement, like, I, I don't know what was the best tactics for yesterday. 
you know, if they cracked down on those guys and all their guns, would that have, you know, set off a riot? Like, yeah. I, I do think sometimes how you treat people determines how they react, yes. right? So, I, you know, at the same time, you got to note the difference with how they were treated versus how people in Ferguson were treated versus mm-hmm. how, you know, people who have been, um, you know, the fact that the one, the one woman arrested was, um, you know, was... And like like a, a you know more lefty protester. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, she wasn't exactly protesting; she was more observing. But mm-hmm. she had a mask on, and many of the guys had masks on. But they never the two A guys had masks on all over the place. But they never got in trouble. So she mm-hmm. was targeted, and like everybody who was like a lefty person who was observing, there were no lefty protesters. But everybody who was lefty was observing. Um, or maybe there was a very small um, protest momentarily, but almost everybody who was observing, who was the lefty person, got followed by the cops. And like on the one hand, it's like okay, you know, the cops are trying to prevent anybody from messing with you, but they're also surveilling you. It's just ugh, it's so, like so mm. many complicated. Anyways, it was a bit of a, a hot mess. I know people were scared. People were scared to go out to eat in Richmond. People were scared to really. Oh yeah, I mean these guys. I mean they 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 are leaving, and I mean there's scenes of them leaving, and you know they don't just all pull up on the buses there. Like a lot of them had buses that were out in, you know, almost in Chesterfield that they dropped them off, and then they you know they rode in, mm-hmm. uh, or they parked out in you know practically Chesterfield and rode in, and so you know people are you know carrying ARs on buses and you uh. know on public transportation and walking down the street to you know to parking lots that are, you know, Lowe's, they would pass like, like normal mm. grocery store and Lowe's parking lots where people are and just mm. like, you know, people are taken aback and then they kind of want to get their little like, oh, mm. I'm a big man on and kind of menacing them. And it just, it got, it got ugly. Oh, so. Wow. Well, I know the, the state, uh, state uh, legislative Senate is proposing some legislation bills here. Mm-hmm. Um, they require one of them is requiring the reporting of lost and stolen firearms, mm-hmm. um, banning people with a restraining order uh, against from possessing a firearm, um, subjecting anyone who recklessly leaves a, a loaded or an unsecured firearm, and then also uh, our own delegate Sam Rasul of Roanoke City is proposing a bill um, on gun and ammunition, a tax on gun and ammunition. And actually Mm -hmm. it will go into what I believe is a it's a gun well, violence gun prevention, prevention funds, fund. yes. Yeah. So that would then fund community programs and um, school counselors. So schools could apply to funding um, for funding. School counselors could apply. You know, they could apply for extra like social workers for a mm-hmm. school that had been impacted. Yeah. Um, you know, by gun violence, they could apply for. Um, you know, diff, just just different programs to sort of um, for impacted for communities where gun violence is a particular problem. I mean, and that could be mm. those could be um, communities in far southwestern Virginia. Mm. So um, some of the highest per capita gun suicide rates are in far southwest. So, you know, when we say like, you know, when we talk about like the regionalism of some of these bills, um, you know, I think that this could benefit um you know, people don't necessarily, I think that the, the, the lowest benefit you'll probably see is in the richest Northern Virginia areas because they don't really have that problem. But the rest of the state really is kind of unified and really would, would benefit from this bill. Yeah, so, I, I think it's a, I think it's a great idea. Well, I think that's the unfortunate position a lot of people take on gun control or any kind of, of measures to, 
um, rationalize the way that we approach weapons in the United States, mm. you know, it's not all or nothing. This isn't like suddenly we're going to become Nazi Germany and burn all your books and burn all your guns and whatever else. It's just like, hey, maybe if uh, you've tried to kill your wife with your fist a few times, maybe we shouldn't let you have guns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that's not a crazy concept, right? Like, No, and, I, yeah, yeah, I and, agree. And yeah. I think the problem becomes when, you know, it, it when you look at it as this like, oh, it's liberty or death or it's this very extreme um, interpretation of the Second Amendment, you don't leave any room for that dialogue. You don't leave room for um, just common sense things that, that, frankly, like everyone agrees with. And the thing is, you know, I saw a lot of uh, pictures being like, well, check this out. You know, um, you know, trans people for gun rights and all these other kinds of Oh, those are three like, guys. Yeah. Right. There's a lot or of that. And it's just like, yeah, male I, get, presenting I, get, people. I get that these are everyone's rights, but also some like common sense gun laws mm. protect gun owners too. It helps cast them in light that I think they were trying to portray in this in this march where, like, it doesn't have to be a violent thing. It's not about this or that. If you want those things, then come to the table about that kind of stuff. It's not all or nothing. Mm-hmm. It's when you get into the all or nothing mentality that people start making assumptions about an entire movement of people, even yeah. if it isn't just all proud boys, if it isn't all yeah. just whatever. It, that's how you get lumped in those things because again, you just seem like an angry person who's completely unwilling to compromise, even if that compromise benefits everyone. Well, and that's like I think the media, um, well, not the media, but I think um, Republican talking points have gotten it to the point where any kind of legislation is seen as violating the Second Amendment, and that's not true. No, not at all. Not at all. Not even close. And you know, those twenty-two thousand people in Richmond. Those are the folks that are thinking that this is against the Second Amendment. Uh, all the other, you know, gun well, owners might be at home saying, you know, this isn't a bad idea that we have to lock up our guns or that you have to get, um, you know, a license before you use it because that leads to safer gun users. Sure. Yeah. Well, what, what did, oh. oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go, go ahead Kat. No, well, what's wild to me is how the the Republican Party has gotten to be so veto, like veto, veto, veto on everything, mm-hmm. and so there's no way to tell, like when. When something that they bring up is a legitimate concern, like it, you, because they say no to everything. Like I mean, you know, we're talking about how they they say no to everything on the gun issue, but like for the longest time, until they basically lost one, until they basically lost almost hundred percent control of the government, they were saying no to Medicaid expansion, yeah. which dramatically benefited their own constituents. Mm-hmm. Which to me, and then they they turned like right around and they were like, oh well, we did that, and it's like, well, if you did that, like, why didn't you do it five years ago, you know, yeah. and, and you could have completely controlled the process and like this could have been, you know, your your rules and your way or the highway the entire time. Like, wh- why did we have to wait on this on Medicaid expansion? And so then, you know, when you think about how they treated Medicaid expansion, it just seems like that that way they are with the Second Amendment, blah, 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 has like actually creeped out to all issues. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like that, everything is no, it doesn't no, sound no. like they're flexible. Yeah, yeah, it's just a complete inflexibility yeah. Yeah. on anything. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a very myopic standpoint on on a lot of issues, and in some degree, you see this with kind of the Trump Republicans, who, despite knowing something's wrong, despite uh, you know being conservative Christians or whatever you want to, how they want to paint themselves, 
fall in rank with this very polarizing thing because they're looking after their own reelection. They don't want Trump to, mm-hmm. to, to primary some other candidate against them because he spoke out against you know, Trump. And it's sort of the same thing with all this legislation. And I think that and, and even down to people looking at gun ownership. Um, one of the arguments I hear out of out of and I, some good friends who are libertarians is like seatbelt laws, right? Like, why should we have to wear seatbelts? It's a silly law. You know, I'm only going to hurt myself. But that's not entirely true. What you see overall is that it's not just you putting your seatbelt on. It's you making sure that your kid wears their seatbelt. Everybody in the car has their seatbelt mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And that dramatically cuts down on, on fatalities and, and, um, and automobile accidents. And again, gun safety and some of these measures are the exact kind of same thing. Yes, they might be something where it requires you to lock your guns up more or treat guns in a different way or register them or all these slate mm-hmm. of things that we think and I'm pretty sure will create safer, you know, environments for firearms. But what happens is, yeah, maybe you give up a little, you give a little bit, but maybe that kid doesn't find a gun in their parent's drawer and shoot their brother. Maybe does the kid doesn't find the gun yeah. in a person, whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe the gun doesn't get stolen out of the front seat of someone's car mm-hmm. and ends up in a robbery because you were just lax about how you treated your weapon. Well, mm-hmm. let, me, let me ask you this question because, you know, I, I think what they're doing so far regarding um, gun legislation, I mean, you know, we, we never thought we would get anything close to this last year. Um, however, the uh, issue on assault rifles... They're pushing back, pushing that back. Who's pushing that back? Well, the court, Senate or yeah, the the Senate, I believe. Oh. Uh, they said they was going to push it to next year because there's so many bills now. They need to oh. have a more comprehensive, um, comprehensive bill on assault. Right on. Did that come out this morning? Yeah, I think it came out this morning. Um, well, I mean, I think we'll see what happens. I mean, I don't think I think that they're. Um, I think that compromising with, you know, when you when you say, oh, gee, if a bunch of proud boys show up with ARs, we mm-hmm. compromise like that's that's foolishness. That's not smart. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I do. I believe that a few of these guys are easily intimidated. Yeah, I do. But I don't think that's good politics. You know, I don't think it's good politics to say, oh, gee, if you come and you make all of Richmond shut down and you intimidate, you know, an entire majority minority city that voted for us, what we're going to do is we're going to compromise with all those guys from out of state. What? So yeah. that they can come here and do it again next year? Like, that's just foolish. Why are you going to put Richmond through that twice? Well, and again, I, I think it's one of those things where I don't fault um, Democratic legislation for not knowing how to handle that problem. Because you're really trying to change the mindset of a culture. Mm. Um, there's a lot of people who identify with guns, and I don't agree with it, and I don't understand it, and I don't know. I mean, on one hand, I think banning, say, AR-15s, for example, is a good step, but I don't know if that fixes those people. And I understand that it's hard to, to, to speak to people like that. Right. At the same time, you shouldn't, you shouldn't cater to that base. Hmm. There was already. You shouldn't yeah. be. Uh, you shouldn't take money from groups like that. You shouldn't want their support. You shouldn't default to Breitbart and things like that. That just. Uh, again, I can understand how, you know, Democrats at times feel like I don't know how to fix this, and our hands are sort of tied on right. this. I really don't understand how people can be like, oh yeah, those guys, their votes, whatever, give them what they want. Let them let them persist in this awful and bad behavior. Yeah. And again, it's that same myopic thinking. Um, am I going to win this election? 
I mean, sure. this is about bullying. You know, if you don't have like when, like assault rifles? I, I think well, carrying them in Richmond was certainly about bullying. Right. Um, you know, I don't think that that was about safety. Like, mm. you know, people were taught. I mean, people who know guns really well were walking through that crowd, <clears throat> and you know, journalists and talking about how unsafe people were being with their rifles in that crowd. And I mean, we're just not witnessing something, a culture that values safety with their rifles. And so they need to, you know, if it, it's well, much safer it's, to be spread out with your rifle. I don't rifle think it's about safety, though. I think it's about stupid. accountability. No one wants yeah. to yeah. be held accountable. Yeah. Well, so, so right. So, um, you know, I think the ARs in Richmond, the you know, what you know, if you put this off till next year, all you're going to do is subject Richmond to another AR march. Why? Mm. Why do you want to do that? Why do you want to subject your voters to that? And if you're going to do that, you had better give. If you're going to, if you're going to say, okay, we're going to put this off till next year, you had better let Lavar Stoney have the authority to ban ARs, um, you know, open carry of rifles in Richmond. Mm. You know, you need to start cracking down on some of this. That you know, this mm. this super open display of. Um, you know, of lethality is mm. not is not okay. Well, there is a they already passed one law allowing localities to ban firearms. So the Senate, so maybe the Senate version is not strong enough. Not so strong hopefully enough? we'll okay. get a good. Hopefully the House will get a good version of that out. I mean, you know, I hope I still hope the Senate, you know, because the House will probably pass, you know, assault weapons ban. So right. if the Senate's going to pass, you know, so then the Senate will get the legislation again, and maybe they'll have, re- you know, maybe they're a little fear. Fear brains will have reconsidered once they get a crossover bill from the House. Well, they're saying it's too complicated. The issue is too complicated As to come up with is... a solid bill. They're saying it's too complicated. Okay, <laughs> it's BS because um, the the other states have these bills. Like it's not like it means just a template. Other states have these same bills. You know, California, Connecticut, New York. York yeah. You can yeah. just get these bills from other states. It is not hard. It's well, not rocket science. And I refuse to believe. I think the I think the Virginia Senate is just not willing to, you know, do their work. Well, that's one of the curious things too. Is is you know, there's all this talk about liberty and tyrants and whatever else, and we we uphold the Second Amendment, the Constitution, whatever, but um, we disagree with states' rights. Which seems like a fundamental part of that argument when you're talking yeah. about liberty and all these other things. It's like, cool, you know what? Like, if you don't like it, there's a lot of places that would love to have you, yeah. and that that are gun sanctuaries, and that will never infringe. And that's the state's right to decide that. And yeah. what kills me is that Virginia, a majority of Virginians, decided that they wanted stricter gun control laws, right. and they voted in people to do just that. Yeah. And People are fighting so hard against that. And it's just simple democracy. That's how a representative democracy works. Yep. And either you know, either you believe in the Constitution and a representative democracy and the, the, the pillars of this nation, including states' rights, yeah. or you just care about your guns. Well, mm. one thing, you know, also I just want to say um, in terms of like the turnout and, and these large rallies and the turnout at the um, city council meetings is that um, one person I'd had a, you know, I've had a couple discussions with people about, um, 
you know, matching the, these turnouts. And the first thing I'll say, well, is, you know, this is the large, like, this is the largest pro-gun rally, but it is dwarfed by the largest, you know, gun reform rally, which was March for Our Lives. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we talk about like what's, you know, because Van Cleve called in people from other states. So we have to look at that balance. And then we also have to honestly look at the fact that a lot of the people who want these um, laws have, you know, two jobs or they have kids and they have families. And, you know, a lot of them are, you know, parents and moms specifically that have a lot of caregiving responsibilities. And so when we say like, oh, gosh, we need you to take three hours, you know, from uh, seven to, to 11 or, you know, four, that's four hours in the evening to come, you know, sit at city council. Well, that's a lot of hours that are usually right. devoted to care mm-hmm. and feeding of children. And so, you know, we, we're looking at kind of this asymmetrical um, amount of time as well. And that the gun guys don't have care responsibilities. Yeah. yeah. So well, traditionally, yeah, I think, you know, with it's 22,000 people that showed up, there were a lot more than 22,000 people that voted for Democrats for voted for yeah. gun legislation. And it's great for you to show up and, and, and do your first amendment right to March and everything. But where it really matters is at the ballot box and it's time for change. Well, again, um, the Senate's already passed allowing localities to ban firearms from certain areas, capping handgun purchases to one per month, and also the expanded background checks. So, there, and again, they're still what I call it in the hopper (laughs) through the session. So, we'll see what else they do. And we'll, you know, again, you know, this was something that they mentioned today in the Roanoke Times that, um, they was going to push back the AR, uh, possibly push that to next year. But who knows? We, you know, a lot more people called, a lot yeah. more calls, a lot more encouraged, uh, encouraging them to do it. Maybe they'll get it through this this session. We'll yeah. hope and pray on that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's go on to our next subject. We're, of course, we're in 2020 now, and we've seen a couple of our presidential debates um i i guess you've seen have any of you seen any of the debates yeah any just a few just yeah. one just a few just i've a seen few? a few of them yeah 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 okay well we're getting close to our primary season starting with our iowa caucus mm-hmm. now caucus now I'm going to lean on you, Peter. Mm. <laughs> Can you define for our audience <laughs> the oh, difference yeah. between caucus and primary? So a primary is when you as an individual can go to your local polling place and vote. And that's one vote. And that's, you know, you add up and whoever wins, wins. With a caucus, um, you go to different specified locations. So let's say... Um, if I'm in Southwest Roanoke, I had to go to the Patrick Henry, uh, gym and I'll be there with, um, you know, maybe three or 400 other people that are registered Democrats and we all get into the room and we start to say, you know, who we want as our candidate and your job is to get everybody in there to vote for your candidate so that when you come out of the caucus, you have a decision as to who it is that you're supporting. So does each room only get one? It depends on the, the rules of the caucus, and those can change based oh on gosh. parties and all these different things. But basically, you're, it's instead of me going in and making my individual decision, it's you going in and talking to your neighbors and friends and you all coming together and trying to figure out who you'll support. 
And so it's really tough, especially in Iowa, uh, with how many candidates we have. Right. Because you're going to have, you yeah, know. We have, um, I, have a, I have a list. Oh, yeah, go for <laughs> it. <laughs> Let's go down the list here. We have Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Kubachar, Pete Buttigieg. Am I saying his right, last name right? Sounds good enough to me. Uh, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> uh, Mon- uh, Montana St- uh, Governor Steve Bullock. He uh, is still in there. Huh? He's hanging in there. Wow. He's hanging in there. Mike Bloomberg, Tom Steiner, Steyer, Steyer, Steyer excuse yeah. me, Colorado Senator Michael Bennett, and Andrew Yang. Bennett yeah. is still in there too. Yeah. Bennett's still around. Yeah. Now none of them, none of them made the the um, the debate. The debate. Tom yeah. Steyer did. Yeah. Tom, which yeah. is amazing. But he did. <laughs> well, money. I guess money talks. Huh? Yeah, sure. Well, yeah. I, and I don't know anything about him other than the kind of memes where they talk about him looking like the scarecrow. <laughs> but, <laughs> Tom really, Steyer. Tom Steyer's really focused on the environment, which I think is good because right. Jay Inslee was the one that was really pushing that in the, the beginning. Environmental. That, that yeah. was my that was my form of governor when I was yeah. living in Seattle. Well, in every one of those tests, title. though, I take you know the that the newspaper puts out a reference like which candidate do you mostly fall in line with? You know, you go through all your issues. He's always like in my top three. Inslee or Steyer? And it's curious because, again, I don't know anything about him other than like, oh, according to these issues, we see eye to eye. Well, he's stressing the environment is our number one issue in America, which I'm not entirely wrong. He's not entirely wrong. But also what's interesting over the weekend, did you hear what happened over the weekend? The New York Times endorsed Senator Amy Kupchar. Am I saying her name? Kobachar. Kobachar. Well, I think we have four different pronunciations. Yeah, Kobachar. Close enough. It's okay. And and also Elizabeth Warren. So, with that endorsement, I know there's New York. New York has their own their own island. Um, But who's the front runner? Who's the front runner? Who do you think is going to take Iowa? I think Bernie Sanders right now, they mentioned Bernie Sanders, but like you mentioned before, this is a caucus. Yeah. When they get in the room, mm-hmm. things change. So what I've heard is that, so first off, I think Bernie is at an advantage in caucuses because I think his people are like die hard. Like mm-hmm. his people will never change. So I think that he's an advantage vis-a-vis some other people who maybe don't, if their supporters are not as fixed. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, I would say that so I would say that Biden and Buttigieg and everybody else is in trouble on that front because yeah. their their supporters are not fixed. But what I've heard is that they're going to report like three different totals out of Iowa. Oh, really? That yeah. they change the Iowa rules. Yeah. So um, the Iowa reporters that I follow say that it's going to be just a mess and that you know, basically three different people might be declared winner of Iowa, just yeah. like two different people were declared like the winner of the New York Times endorsement. Yeah. So yeah. it's just yeah. going to be that like was, a hot That was the weirdest thing. Yeah. Uh, why, why would they do that? Well, yeah. I, I think the approach is still wrong. I mean, for me, uh, when you look at what a, and, and this isn't just, this is just one of the thousands of reasons Trump's cabinet members and all these things are a hot mess. But, you know, a lot of your cabinet ends up being a lot of the people who are running for president also, right, against mm-hmm. you. Um, so famously, you have Rick Perry, who announces that he's going to shut down the EPA, becomes the head of the EPA. Where that is a huge problem on thousands of levels we don't even have to get into. You could do a similar thing with the Democrats and go, listen, I know I'm running against, uh, and again, I'm, who's our environmental guy? Steyer. 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 Yeah. 
Um, Let's just be honest, folks. He's probably not going to make it Mm -hmm. to the end game. But you're looking at the new head of the EPA if I get elected. Mm. Because here's a man who cares deeply about the environment and understands environmental issues. Mm-hmm. Right. And then instead they're doing that stupid thing like they did before where they're just cannibalizing each other and letting mm-hmm. the media kind of take over the narrative of like, oh, Bernie and Elizabeth Warren are going to get into a boxing match next week. Well, I'm not, Can't su- wait. I'm not yeah. surprised by that because with the Bernie and Elizabeth thing, because my theory is right now we have about four people that I think are the real front runners and they're the ones in Iowa. For sure. Um, you've got Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg judge who I think are the moderate wing and then you've got Elizabeth and Bernie who are the progressive wing and I think it's going to be kind of like college football where you have the two moderates are going to, the winner of the two moderates is going to go against the winner of the progressive and that's going to kind sure. of play out throughout the rest of the year yeah I see that and at the same time I can't got, make predictions anymore yeah, yeah. the <laughs> you prediction never meter know. is that's broken my that's, yeah, my, right. that's my 2016 thought right there <laughs> predictions <laughs> predictions are trash predictions and polls be damned <laughs> also ultimately like you know your, your president and vice president end up being a compromise within the mm-hmm. party usually right um, and I really feel like they could go ahead and do that now and just really sure up a, a, a really strong uh, presidency by saying like listen because I don't think I would vote, vote for Joe Biden, but I might if I thought Bernie Sanders was his vice president, for example. Oh, that's not going to happen. Well, no, it's not going to happen, yeah. but you understand no, what I'm saying. If you, if you start... Or even Elizabeth Warren were or something like right, that. Right, and then yeah. you just get rid of all of that crud of being like, again, I don't care what Hillary Clinton thinks about Bernie Sanders. Oh, like, did you, you hear about that? Yeah. 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 It's yeah. just, you know, it's one of those things where just... Quit muddying the waters for when we actually take on the election. Yeah. Uh, because, again, it's, it's just more fodder for idiots, yeah. and it's more in-party fighting. And I think, ultimately, um, if all the Democrats just got on stage and said, listen, we don't have to talk crap about each other because, ultimately, all of us are better candidates and better politicians than Donald Trump. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you nominate well, on this yeah. stage. So, this is where we're at. This and here's is why I all think it's so reasons. vicious. This is why I think it's so vicious, because the the Democrats are actually fairly likely to win. So, like, the progressive versus the more moderate wings of the party are kind of having this very vicious fight over who gets to set who's really in charge of the party. And I think that's what you're seeing, and I think that's why you're seeing the viciousness. Well, you know, viciousness, and I know um, you brought up the fact about... um, um, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. I mean, it was a recent article in Politico where I think he... (laughs) (laughs) Well, she she said basically nobody likes Bernie. Oh, my God. I mean, didn't people say nobody liked Hillary and that's why she didn't win? I mean, come on. I'm I'm, I'm over this. (laughs) Well, well, that's my point. See, I'm over... I I am truly over critiques that lack so little substance. I think she completely by 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 making by ha- allowing like by, by allowing herself to be quoted saying nobody likes him. She just completely tanked whatever legitimate argument she might have to say about how Bernie has no not passed bills or whatever. Like if she's going to say okay, Bernie hasn't passed bills, like just say Bernie hasn't passed bills. Like that is cut and dry. Yes or no? Did he or didn't he? Like Bernie has only one bill. Here's what it is. Like that is the information that I could use. And you could say, look, you know, I think there are candidates who have passed a lot more bills and these are good bills and this is why I think they're like they they would they would get more done. Now people can argue with that, but it is a substantive critique. I think mm-hmm. that this critique was 
like, first off, well, I have a lot of thoughts about this <laughs> it's article. Clear you, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, but, you're a little bitter about Hillary right now. Well, yeah. I know. Well, I think that. Yeah, so I, I think, think that, I think as Democrats, you probably should be. Well, I think yeah. that I think that Hillary actually like her whole critique of Bernie. Like, this is going to be like some meta. Her whole critique of Bernie is that oh, his people are not good people. Um, Hillary has the same problem, which all the Bernie right. people are pointing out. But, like, neither of that redounds well to either of them. Yeah. So, like, I'm just like, you know what? Like, you looked in the mirror and you saw a little bit of each other and you don't like it in either one. So maybe yeah. cut it out. So, like, it's just so frustrating to hear, like, you know, oh, this, you know, the, the I, I, I wasn't driven insane in 2016 of the non-substantive critiques of Hillary. Nobody likes her. Well, you know what? Like... You don't get elected president because people love you and people loved Barack Obama and he still couldn't get us like, you know, single payer health care. So, like, don't tell me that, like, being loved is like how you beat Mitch McConnell because it's not. Let's take a moment of pause so <laughs> Catherine can breathe. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you, I think you bring up a very good point, though, in, in that why I think this this uh, this primary or the upcoming primary between these candidates is so difficult because because on one hand, you want someone who represents change that is not establishment, that is all the things that the government should, ideally should be. Is that person going to win an election against Donald Trump? Because that's what it really comes down to for me. Like, I don't, I'm not in love with Joe Biden, but if it looks like Joe Biden's going to beat Donald Trump, I'm going to high five that man until yeah, he's yeah. dead. You know what I mean? But I agree. I think, I think right now. My fear is one high five might do it for a couple wow. of these people. Yeah. I, th- I think the issue is, and I think you're right, um, this is the area where we're trying to get rid of Trump, and no, by any means necessary, we're trying to get rid of this man from office. So whatever the ticket is for them to make it happen, let's do it, I think. But, you know, I'm, I'm curious about who the vice president, I, you know, I'm, I'm still on the bubble. I mean, I, I think they're all good people. Uh, think, I, I do admit to you, I'm, I'm a... Uh, Tom Steiner, he says a lot of yeah. great things. I don't think he'll win. We're for damn. He says a lot of great things. Well, so, I mean, it's sort of Ralph Nader. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Ralph Nader. Yeah. Hey, you know how Ralph. But Ralph Nader wasn't rich. Well, yeah, but yeah, yeah one of the he, thing, he wasn't. He, one <laughs> he of the things broke. I think we we also need to be very careful with this year is. There is a generational change that is happening in America. Millennials are the largest uh, cohort of population in this country. And I think that when we're looking at vice president and we're looking at that ticket, if you see two people who are 65 plus up there, you're going to have a lot of millennials that are going to be upset. So I think that the Democratic Party would be best served by a ticket that is bi-generational. Well, I like Joe and, and Pete. Yeah. That might work. I like Stacey Abrams for everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I like <laughs> Stacey Abrams I like Stacey well. Abrams, too, but yeah. she's not running. <laughs> she, she could be VP. VP she, said she, yeah. she, said, she said she's open to VP, and I think she'd be good at it. Yeah. She loves a good spreadsheet. That's what I hear If she can her. bring Georgia with her, I'm all in. <laughs> well, I, I, exactly. I like Bernie and Killer Mike. 
because he's a great hype man. <laughs> no, he's bad on the gun issues. So, well, you definitely, you'll some definitely the, legalize marijuana. Well, but some, of the, some, of the, some of the best support for a candidate right? okay. has come from Killer Mike. So imagine just having him out there being like, here's what we're doing with Israel. Well, you yeah. definitely get that gun. That's one bill would surely pass if you yeah. get that uh, <laughs> Well, I, I don't know. know. You might have sold me on that combination right now. I mean, I'm being too hot, but like, I just, I'm sold. I'm yeah. sold. I think mean, that would be Sorry, Stacey. <laughs> <laughs> you just booted Stacey right off. Then so quickly, Catherine, so quickly, you just boot her off. I'm so sorry. Yeah, Killer Mike turns a big boy, and it's hard to uh, argue with that. Yeah, he is a good boy. But he has great documentaries, though. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah I, I do. he's great. He has great messages. You know, great messages. one of the things that I really want to think about with this presidential primary, you know, we're all talking about about Iowa. But guess what? They changed the rules from the last time we did this. So there's Anything no winner take all. Right. So you got four people that, you know, they may be winner, they may not be winner, but they're still going to get, you know, between 10 and 13 of the delegates. So they're all still within the How many delegates are, come out of Iowa? I think maybe like 40-something. I'm not sure. Are, 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 are we still in that awful place with superdelegates? We yeah. still have yeah, superdelegates. Cool. Yeah. Um, but Sorry, it, Killer Mike. You're not going to really see anything. <laughs> I don't think we're going to see anything change. You think superdelegates are opposed to Killer Mike? <laughs> yeah. just, just opposed to, I mean, anything more progressive. I, I think Sam's a superdelegate. Yeah. I think well, that's good. Yeah, yeah maybe Killer Mike is a super delegate. So, how is uh, <laughs> to to enlighten people that yeah. are listening to us? Uh, explain the super delegate. So, super delegates are are um, basically party loyalists. Or, you know, people who have been officials at some point. Um, you know, maybe they were mayor of Roanoke at some point, and so they're high enough in the party that they would be considered a super delegate. And those come in, um, they make their decision. Most of the time they go by what's happened in their state, but you can go and like get their endorsement. Um, so that was a big thing that Hillary Clinton did last time where she focused on getting a lot of the super delegates so that she kind of padded herself with that. And that would have been a hard thing for Bernie to do. The super delegates, I think this time around have less of a say, um, but they're still there. Didn't she do it in 2008 though too, and they all defected? Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, I mean, super delegates have always been used through the years, and I think 2008 was especially interesting because it was Hillary and Obama, and we were all like, "Who's this Obama cat?" and he, he took her down. So, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, the super delegates—they're there. I think as we start to see, uh, Super Tuesday is probably going to be the big day. Because that's when I think we have like 14 states that are deciding. And that's really, I think, going to be the day that separates the the candidates where we'll have, you know, maybe four that are left at that point or even less than that. Because what happens that day, you've got California, you've got Virginia, you've got a bunch of other big states that'll come down. And that's where you'll see those delegates start to split up. Now, just real quick before we end, I'm going to plug an article that I have not read. But mm-hmm. it's this New York Times writer, I think his name is... Uh, Austed, but he did a um, New York Times article and he came down to Danville and he talked mm-hmm. to a bunch of black voters in Danville and um, he he discussed you know his his article my, from the summaries I can't read it because I'm out of New York Times articles but the summaries <laughs> indicated that um, basically he was he was explaining and talking to them he was explaining the the support for Joe Biden as a skepticism of white people. Which and which I understand. <laughs> that yeah. makes a lot of sense. If you look at Joe in the polling, that's I mean, I thought by now Joe Biden um, would have gone down a little bit. I, I've always said that Joe is kind of at his ceiling. I haven't seen him grow, but he has really 
um, gotten the African American vote. Um, I'm, part of that is probably because he was, was with he Obama. Was with Obama. That's yeah. Obama I mean, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. But so if nobody else is able yeah. to break that group down, then that's going to be really powerful for Joe. I mean, if you have a 30, let's say 30% of the Democratic base is African American and he's got a toehold, or he's got a, not a just toehold, but a stronghold on him, um, then. That makes it hard for other candidates to well, support them. And, and I think the other consideration, like with the black vote, like with, and I hate pandering to centrist, mm. <laughs> but if you're a moderate Republican who's not happy with the Republican Party, if you're a conservative, a fiscally conservative Republican who's not happy with the conservative party, it's important for the Democrats to put forth a candidate that represents everyone. And again, I want all the things that I think are best in the world for people, but also I want everybody to be represented. Yeah. And I think that it's an important consideration because we, everyone in this room and probably everyone listening to this show doesn't need any convincing on the reasons to vote for literally anyone besides Donald Trump. Right. Mm-hmm. But there are people who may be on the fence. Mm-hmm. And those are the people that we need to win an election. Yes. And again, it's a it's one of those like, well crap, do we go with the establishment or do we go with, you know, you know, what would the progressive that we need? But it becomes a question of that. And I think it's it's valid to go, well, crap. Good news, y'all. I'm going to use one of my 10 on um, Osted Herndon. I just want to say his name, um, the the writer for the okay. New York Times. So, so yeah. um, I've got it now. Well, <laughs> I can look at it. Now, so. I can see it now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to what you were saying there, Will. I think it's, um, you know, we get very in our bubbles and we want, you know, um, more progressive candidates, and we, we think that these are things that need to be happening. But if you look at the actual majority of folks out there, they are moderate. They And these elections, basically 80% of the electorate, 40% base on the Democratic side, 40% on the, Demo, uh, on the Republican side. And so you have to get that 20% that's independent to come to your side, and that's how you win. That's Absolutely. the way it's been for generations. Yeah. And so that's where we have to continue to, to say, I mean, we didn't start winning the suburbs um, because of uh, far left people getting into those offices. If you look at them, um, you have like Abigail Spamberger, who is more of a moderate. Um, and that's how you're able to win that that little margin that we need well, to make sure so we get over. People have different takes on So I'm not sure that that's like the most accurate political science take. So... The, the like the political science is complicated. So there's you know, there's certainly it's true that like the Democratic Party is not as you know, when you poll them, like mm-hmm. the if you just look at Democrats, they don't have as many people who say that they're like, you know, far left or you know, whatever whatever it is that the that mm-hmm. the most left um, you know, category is versus the number of Republicans who will say they're like super conservative, X max ten, one thousand yeah. percent conservative. Like the number of them is higher than the number of Democrats who will say the same thing. Thing. Um, but I think that the other thing that I've seen in the Trump era is how quickly like a party's whole politics can flip mm. when you have a leader at the top okay, who yeah, says these yeah. are our collective values. Yeah, and yeah. so when that leader at the top says, you know, our collective value is to build a wall and we don't like immigrants and we like Russia, um, you know, the, the Republican Party flipped on a dime mm. now, you know, because it's tribal. 
right? So if, well, you, if everyone in your voters, yeah, right. <laughs> but it, but it's also that that tribe sticks together. So like once people like once people in your party like a certain like even twenty percent of the people in your party are saying or thirty percent are all saying one thing, mm-hmm. like the ball starts rolling towards everybody kind of thinking, well, maybe we should all say that. Well, well that's, 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 that's that party. Yeah. But that's that that's you know so and I, the same dynamics do sort of apply to the Democratic Party. You as think well. the Democratic Party will flip that way? Not they're not as I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. We do not flip like that. But I do think that the leader at the top does have that the leaders at the top have more control over that yeah. than people want to like, you know, than people. And so I do think that when you I then I think that's why you see activists pressure leadership and what yeah. leadership says is so important to activists right. because they know that then that. When they pressure those leaders to change their talking points, then that pushes down as much as they're pushing. You know, yeah. they they're trying to do a grassroots up push to show right. that this is really important to a constituency. But then, the, then they also know that that has a combination approach of push it up, leadership changes their talking points, and then that pushes it down to everybody else who disagrees. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this quick question um, before we wrap up, and I think you have a comment too, Will. Um, Amy Kubachar. Mm. Is it Kubachar? Klobuchar. Klobuchar. I'm, Klo- a, I'm still not quite right, so nobody's Klobuchar? saying it right. Amy from Minnesota. Amy from Minnesota. Here's my thoughts. Amy, uh, actually, just doing some background, and she did ran against a, a Republican mm-hmm. uh, during her Senate race and beat him. Yeah. And, and, and that and her values are kind of middle of the road, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess I always use middle of the road. That's what my, that's what my grandma used to say, middle of the road. But anyway, uh, but she's in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Those are the battleground states. Mm-hmm. You have Minnesota, was Wisconsin, Wisconsin yeah. Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. Minnesota, yeah, Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. Besides Pennsylvania, but the rest of the states yeah. are, are critical. Minnesota, why, why she's not even? Why she's not even really? Did in you the top. see her at like? Did you did you go see it, hear her speak at the Democratic um, at the blue, at the, blue wave? Did or you, the were you there? Thing? Yeah, yeah. I think that the people who were at the blue wave know why. Yeah. <laughs> she's not. She's not very magnetic. I mean, she yeah. is like. She's, she's like the opposite of charisma. I hate oh, to say that. Yeah. I mean, it was pain. Like it pained me. Like I wanted to like her. She's right. getting better. Uh, I feel oh, like this. I know. This debate, I just. I she hate really, to say this stuff. Yeah. I'm such a bad person. But, but she's she's she like if you saw her in the debate, she got more attention and she got people, and I think that was great. But she also always was running out of time, and it's like, well, if you're running out of time, make the point in the beginning. So yeah, then she's a. I think she would be a. I mean. One of the main people who think she'll be in the running because she can actually flip those things. Well, but I think that's that in my opinion. But Biden yeah. just is kind of box. I think that's the the moderate lane is kind of yeah. just but taking up. This is ahead. why we need more parties. And as much as no, I no, love, no, 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 I love no. the Democratic no. Party. No. I agree with this. But I totally no. do. Seeing but, my husband in Europe, like it works better. Well, <laughs> they are also they have the same problems. Brexit. But I, the That's thing is, a, Democrats could still, no matter what kind of way you cut Democrats up, could still come to the table on the exact same issues, and it would be fine. Mm-hmm. The problem that, again, we were talking about with having to kind of cater to 
to you know moderate republicans independents whatever else is no one has a voice for them mm -hmm. if you're a libertarian you're lumped in with republicans if you're tea party you're lumped in republicans and i don't like all those groups but i think they should have their own say and not everyone falls rank and file with donald trump because he's you know the 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 autocrat right now yeah. and 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 again maybe this is a segue in what we need to talk to but you yeah. know when is will there be a re I don't think there will ever be a referendum we'll on Trump amongst the Republican Party. Proposed abolishing the presidency. I would just like to say that. <laughs> so what now? <laughs> I think he just proposed abolishing the presidency. No, I just want to be clear. Okay, no, right. he was abolishing well, the two-party system. Okay, the but two then who wins? System. Do we have like is somebody like the president for a third of the year? Somebody is the president for you know four no, months? You still have to, to the you still have to win your coalitions. Yeah. I mean, in in Ireland, I know they're going to have a. Um, an election coming up in the next couple of weeks and there are four parties about four parties and the way you win is either your party wins a majority or right now they actually have a coalition government between the it would be basically like the democrats and the republicans but they came together to create a ruling party so those are things that you can get different combinations that allow you to i just see i just see that well, two, i just also two choices see that though maybe. are the illusion of choice yeah. Uh, right. You but, know what I but, mean? But, like it, it is not ultimately you have what happens with with anything. Republicans in there, they act like a bunch of jerks for eight years and they won't let anything go through and they're obstructionists. And the Democrats turn around. Well, now we can do this because you guys did that. And well, that's now you've, you've said to the president that this is the only president. So this is the only way to get things done. So and then nothing happens. Both systems. I see a problem of minority rule. I see a problem of minority rule in the, the way the Senate is set mm -hmm. up and the way that the electoral college is set up we have minority rule right now in the u.s and in the same way if you cannot form a coalition in these like parliamentary systems the minority that gets the the most like has like 40 percent can rule and i just i don't agree with minority rule that's my that's my one big thing well i i, I we can go on and on about this we can have a whole, like we, i guess yeah. we can have a whole 20 minute segment on this probably probably <laughs> I'm, if you can visualize Catherine's face as we're talking about this. It's so <laughs> unfortunate this is a podcast. My talents are wasted here. <laughs> so, that's all right. But as we transition talking about presidential elections, let's talk about our current and beloved president now. <laughs> uh, president Trump, um, I, is this his day of reckoning, I guess? I don't know. Um, the Senate impeachment trials have started. Uh, as we today on Tuesday um, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell on Monday proposed a condensed two-day calendar for each side to give opening statements in President Donald Trump's impeachment trial the ground rules that are raising objections from Democrats on the eve of the landmark proceedings so I guess the Republican leader um, outlined a four-page resolution that will be voted on as one of the first orders of business that's going to be happening today. So what do you think about, first of all, the impeachment trial? Do you think it's just a farce? Do you think they actually, are we going to have the possibility of actually impeaching this guy or we just should just be quiet and yeah. and just get some popcorn and just roll <clears throat> with this? <laughs> Look, I mean, we, we're, we live in the age in which the Republican Party has said that truth is irrelevant. Hmm. That in a lot of ways, it doesn't matter what's actually true or not, as long as we, you know, say that, oh, you know what, my, my aunt, God bless her, 
shared a meme the other day of a picture of Biden that said, like, can you believe that this country is trying to impeach a president for proving a man did some crimes in the Ukraine and they're trying to blame him now? It's like, no, that's not actually what happened at all. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't about Biden. This is about Trump breaking the law. And we and again, truth becomes so subjective to these people. And I think the I think the the most damaging and upsetting and like extreme example of cowardice amongst all these people, McConnell especially. You know, when I was listening today, it was McConnell and Cruz, whose voice you hear all the time. These are two people who were slandered relentlessly by the president. Mm-hmm. And because they value money and re-election more than truth, principles, being fiscal, solving, you know, national debt, doing any of those things that were pillars of the Republican Party for so long. They're willing to lay on their backs and be like, oh, you know what? I know that there's been 18 uh, impeachment trials before this, all of which saw witnesses. But uh, we're not going to do that because, you know what? This is a complete farce. And we've already we've told you that whatever Donald Trump wants us to do, we will do it. Mm-hmm. And that is not the way American politics should work. That's not the way that's not the way any political system should work. But that's what we're left with because mm-hmm. of obstructionists, frankly, obstructionist mm-hmm. people like Mitch McConnell and all the Republicans who have lost their spines and their ability to come up with their own agendas, own thoughts and own principles based on the people that elected them. Yeah. I don't think Mitch McConnell ever had a spine for anything except pushing through like he, he a, has ju- a shell. judge to yeah. his shell. Exactly. I do believe he has a shell. That is correct. He has a shell and he pushes through his judges and that's all he cares about. And he knows how to rule through the judiciary. And this yeah. is just going to be an example of that. And he does not care. He, he, I mean, he, like, if you look at his state, what has he done for his state? What has he done to his state? What has happened to well, his state while he's he been a here? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, we do not suffer as badly as Kentucky, though. Like, well, let's be clear. And like, if you want to, Kentucky's it, economy in comparison to, like, like Virginia is... Well, that's why Amy McGath is, like, within two points already, and she just got into the race. Right. I think even people in Kentucky are starting to well, see... Well, I do. The fact that Bashir... Yeah. Was it Bashir 2? Bashir yeah, Bashir Jr. 1. One? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's a good sign for Kentucky. but And, you know, but... And a bad sign for Mitch McConnell. But, I mean, Mitch McConnell has... Uh, well, that's a whole separate thing, but... I just, Mitch McConnell is good at lying and playing well, and again, people's emotions. Yeah, and if you want to understand him, all you have to do is follow the money. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's, it's incredible that somehow his net worth keeps doubling every year he's in office, even though he's on a fixed income. <laughs> well, look at what his wife, his wife is what, the tra- transportation secretary and right. they own shipping lines or something like that? Yeah. And, and no, I had chicken, what? Well, shipping. It's like shipping. Shipping. Oh, shipping. Oh, 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 yeah. Chicken. Well, yeah. And, and chickens are not on the I'm sure they're shipping chickens yeah. in. <laughs> but it's like steroids. In the real world, you, you shouldn't be able to be bigger and in better shape and all this kind of stuff the older you get. And somehow, again, McConnell keeps getting richer and richer mm, on yeah, the richer right. office system he's helping to fix. It's the yeah. same with Paul Ryan passing that crap tax thing before he's like, and I'm out. Yeah. 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 I'm gonna take I'm gonna set this up so I can take all the money and then good Be luck gone. fixing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's the same thing. And, and I think the only way that these guys are gonna change is if they are threatened 
by losing an election. They'll never so change. They'll I, have to actually if, lose. If, but if siding with Trump is going to cause them to lose an election, and I, I really, I pray, and I don't know what it's going to take because he broke they the have law. To lose he broke porn stars for sex. He's accused of I don't know all these. He's, he's, he's done everything right. wrong, yeah. and he's still alive. And everybody and everybody supports him. Well, yeah. I mean, I just, what happens after Trump? Is it going to be Trump Jr.? Like, no. I can't. No, no, I can't imagine. I think I think, I think we've seen Ivanka. No, I, I think I think we've had our. Uh, well, I want to say, well, Joe McCartney, he wasn't even. A we've had our authoritarian moment. Yeah, we had yeah, authoritarian we moment. Yeah. But you yeah. know, we got yeah. Bush number two. Oh God. Well, I think I want to kind of bring us back to this impeachment trial that we're we're talking about, and I think it's very political what's going to happen this week mm-hmm. because. McConnell has a bunch of senators that are up for re-election, like Susan Collins. She's our clearly our our biggest bet. Yeah, but uh, there are also senator Senate races in North Carolina and Arizona. Colorado, and others. right? Colorado. That guy's going down. Those are going to be very important. And so, if Mitch McConnell today passes this resolution that he put forward literally the night before the trial, so that nobody would see it, you're going to have a lot of those moderates and. Folks like that say, well, you know, they're not even going to do a real trial. Then what is this all about? And how does that play out in November? Because right now he's majority leader, um, but by a slim majority, it's only 54. And so how he does this impeachment trial is going to be looked at by literally everyone. And those senators that are in the middle, what they decide today, like if they decide to go along with a trial that has no witnesses, that has um, no evidence, that takes place at one o'clock in the morning, um, a lot of moderate people in New Hampshire are going to look into each other and say, or I'm sorry, Maine, and look at each other and say, well, she didn't even have an actual fair trial for, for this. Is yeah. that what we want as Americans? Right. And mm-hmm. I think that's going to help play out in November. Yeah. And they, they might lose it all. And they should, based on yeah. what Donald Trump has done to this uh, country. You know, they have hitched their wagon, and they're going to go down. Like uh, yeah. McConnell is the uh, the head of the captain of the Titanic, and he's going to go down with the ship. So... Yeah. I hope, I hope, I hope, but like these people are just such cheaters. They're such cheaters. Yeah. Like they cheated in Georgia. They cheaters. Mm-hmm. Cheat, cheat, cheat. Yeah, I think the I, I think the sad state of a lot of that is is people don't care about truth anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't care about you know what. Like let them bring every witness they want. Let everyone do the exact thing and let the chips fall they will. And and the thing is, if you believed in truth and justice, and if you believed in those pillars, you would allow all these things that make sense and that mm-hmm. have, that have held this country together up until probably now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll follow the impeachment trial. Um, again, I, I'm not very optimistic about anything about this. And again, with you, you know, the lack of truth in this country, um, especially during the Senate, during this hearing, and the fact they're blocking a lot of witnesses, it's ridiculous. So, I'm not very optimistic. I think we just, I'm just gonna grab some popcorn and just <laughs> and, yeah. and view the theatrics and move well. on. So well, as we wrap up, it'll be cold. Yeah, yeah cold, cold popcorn. I hate cold popcorn. Um, as we wrap up, um, of course, we always, um, Peter, we always talk about what we're looking forward to the week ahead. Yes. And, uh, you know, Catherine, since Karen is not here. I um, go first. 
first. You get to go first. Well, good thing at the when I first came in here, I figured out what I was going to say. Oh, did you? Well, <laughs> yes. good. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to, I'm going to go um, in a couple days, I'm going to go to Richmond to nice. um, do some lobbying on getting some more gun good gun bills passed. So yes. I'm going to thank Sam for his good proposal, and I'm okay. going to... Um, work on getting things out of uh, the house committees maybe and just you know pass and just work those things through so all eyes on the house you're gonna go get the guns right. um yes i have not been appointed official gun grabber yet <laughs> so that's uh, i did i did tell a friend that um actually i told a friend well I told a friend that her husband's gun was on my list to grab. Oh. That was a joke. That was a joke, though. I was not. Uh, you and I are welcome to Thanksgiving dinner now. I don't care what you mean. I actually don't like guns, so I would not grab one. That's the thing. That's the thing. Okay. Well, Will? Don't worry. Well, what do you see what's going on? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm looking forward to see what happens with the impeachment. And, and I think either way that it goes, I am... I'm always optimistic about a future in which people upstand to their or hold true to their values and don't just want someone who tells it like it is or shoots off the mm. cuff or, you know, angrily tweets at 3 a.m. about children and, and, and people he disagrees with. So I'm every day I'm looking forward to a, a country where we can get over that nonsense. Okay. Okay. Peter. Um, so I'm actually looking forward to the Lunar New Year celebration that's happening on uh, Saturday. Um, local Colors and Roanoke Sister Cities is having a um, Lunar New Year celebration from 12 to 2 at the Taubman Art Center, okay. uh, Art Ooh. Museum. Oh, wow. um, and it is a free event, so come on out and oh, celebrate. Yeah, I have seen pictures from that I'm looking for. I, I have to take my kids. I think that peop, the, it's, a good, it's a pretty kid-friendly event. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, they'll have art stuff for the kids to do, and oh, uh, you know nice. they have the dragon uh, dance and all that. So it'll be Excellent. a really great time. Right. So come on down. Thank you. Okay, that was good. Um, I I have well one or two well two things actually. Um, Humble Hustle is doing their annual chili cook-off. Mm. Um, sounds delicious. It, yeah, it sounds delicious. You know, I make a mean chili. A lot of people really don't know that <laughs> about me. I have certain hidden talents, mm. and chili, making chili is one of them. And mm. so, A uh, good thing to have in cold weather. Yeah, in cold weather. So you know, I need to invite you to the Super Bowl party. <laughs> well, I, my chili is very hot. So uh, that's, I that's love good. it already. Oh, okay, I'm telling you now, I, it, it, it will burn, burn some tongues. Burn but um, that's one of the talents. But also, um, yesterday I went to an event at the Grandin Theater. Um, it was sponsored by a young young man, uh, young brother, I'll call him, uh, Ryan Bell. And it was called Black Faces in White Places. It was a forum on that. Really talk about st- systemic change and restoration. Um, and I, I walked away um, very impressed with uh, the panel and also the organization and some honest conversations uh, about race, especially in the workplace and and some of the code switching was some of the terms that was used. And maybe we should get Ryan here one day to really have that kind of conversation. I love it. Yes, yeah. please. Yeah, we'll I, I couldn't go. But but I, yeah. I walked away. I did question. Um, you know me. I go somewhere. I'm always raising questions that don't need to be raised. But, but I was a good conversation um, from that, and um, and it learned about the importance of um, 
especially after Martin Luther King, uh, the issue of race is is still a conversation that we desperately need to continue to have mm. in our community. And um, and I'm just um, I was just very proud of him and what his people did to put this together. Mm. So yeah. That was good about that. Ryan, our, our voices alumni. Yes, he yeah. is. He is. He is. He's been on before, and we'll, we'll see if we can get him back on. So, guys, thank you. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you, Robert. Always a pleasure you yeah. joining us today. Um, Catherine, you can now smile. Uh, <laughs> you can't no. tell all my, all my funny faces. No, but it was, it was great. And, Will, always a pleasure as well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for listening to Our Voices, Our Community, presented by Colors VA Magazine. Today's episode is sponsored by Crandall and Cott, attorney at law. You can also listen to us each Sunday at 3 p.m. on WROE 95.7 Radio Free Roanoke. If you like what you've heard today, leave us a review. Also, be sure to like Our Voices, Our Community on Facebook. Thank you and have a blessed day.